of the sky. Look. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. As always, I'm your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan, and this is the podcast exclusively about comic book animation. Welcome to episode 52. Let me briefly explain the rules. Like I said, this podcast is about comic book animation. I say it every week, you should know it by now. Rule number two, much like the old team-up books that I'm a big fan of, Marvel team-up, Marvel 2-in-1, DC Comics Presents, Brave and the Brold, it's me and a guest, it's a team-up podcast. Third and final rule, we gotta have fun. Welcome, like I said, to episode 52. Before we get into the details of this episode, I'm not gonna hesitate, I'm gonna bring my guest, he's a former multi- appearance guest he's also a guest host of the show my good buddy michael crockett hello matthew uh yes i am a special guest host uh, i like how you referred to that in my intro and not jamie jimbikowski's because we as we know that uh episode the he-man episode is uh well i mentioned it already too much well he is he's the official uh guest of the year though as we all know well, as he knows yes well, welcome back. I noticed you haven't been on since uh, around Christmas time was the last time you were on the show. Yes, it's been uh, it's been a little bit. I'm happy to be here. I know we discussed uh, Hulk last time. We're sticking with the Avengers, I think. We're, we're, we're going in another direction, but uh, very similar, a little bit more in my wheelhouse. We're sticking with Marvel, right? Oh, yeah. So I figure uh, with you, it's pretty much always going to be something Marvel related. Yes, because that's uh, what I came up on, and uh, that's what I like to stick with. So, on that note, we're going to get into the subject matter, which is very exciting to me, because for the first time ever, we're going to be talking my all-time favorite superhero, the Sentinel of Liberty, old winghead himself, the Star Spangled Man, Captain America. Yes, Captain America. You said uh, last week, I think it was, that Hulk used to be your favorite, then it became Captain America. I'm wondering, like, what happened? Well, I still love the Incredible Hulk. Um, I just think uh, over the years, uh, I think the Caps, the Cap Adventures have been better. I think there's more potential there. I feel like Hulk, after a while, tends to just be a cycle of repetition over and over and over again. Uh, all right, I guess I can uh, understand that. There, he just se- he just seems like kind of like a fuddy duddy Captain America. Come, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's, the leader, he's the leader of the Avengers. You, you're not going to find maybe Superman, but other than that, you're not going to find a more inspirational hero than Captain America. Yeah, Superman is in the same vein, just kind of like the uh, the do-gooding kind of sap. They've, they've stood the test of time, and there's nothing against the Hulk. I still love the Incredible Hulk. Well, you better. <laughs> so, uh, But you are an Avengers fan, even though you're not as much of a Captain America fan. Right, right, yeah. The first book I ever picked up, I believe, I was looking for an Incredible Hulk, but I picked up an Avengers comic with 
Hulk was in the lineup at the time, the early 80s. So it was an Avengers comic that I picked up for the very first time. Do you you remember the lineup at the time? Because Avengers lineup has changed so many times over the years. Wow. Um, I'm sure it was Captain America, Hawkeye, uh, Scarlet Witch. I think they had Captain Marvel, but it was it was the African American Captain Marvel. Um, oh, okay. Iron Man, Hulk. I think that might round out the whole crew. I believe uh, if I'm, it was Yellow Jacket, Wasp, Thor, Iron Man, Cap, maybe Beast and Vision. I think when I was in the group, but uh, it's hard to remember because they uh, they they were interchangeable so many times. Yeah, this was, what was it, 83 when the Hulk cartoon uh, came out that inspired me to get a comic? That is correct. But Captain America is a subject. We're going to talk him. We're going to talk history. Captain America created way back in 1941 by the legends Jack Kirby and Joe Simon, first appearing in Captain America Comics number one, which was, at the time, Timely Comics, which went on to become Marvel Comics. Wow, that's way back, huh? Timely Comics. Yeah. Huh. Which would evolve into Marvel Comics, but at the time, they, you know, the Prince Nammer, the original Human Torch, Captain America, the All Winners Squad, uh, various others. This is also in the time period, you know, you got to think, this is during the war when comics were at their all-time peak, never sold more than they did during that era. Yeah, and, and it's kind of funny how you said it started with Captain America number one. Usually, from me listening to your podcast, it's... They start in some other, like, you know, tales of suspense or whatever like that, and then they get their own comic. But he started with Captain America number one. Yeah, which, yeah, um, like, more fun comics, action comics, detective comics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They were very hesitant to take a chance on a number one on the character itself. They would test the waters, and then, if it was successful, they would move on. They were looking, because, like I said, back in time, because thanks mostly to Superman, uh... The superhero genre had exploded. They were looking for something very patriotic. The original name that Joe Simon had came up with, supposedly, was the Super American. But he felt that didn't have much much pizzazz, and it would it would really be white noise amongst all the other superheroes of the time period. Yeah, uh, good, good idea going back to the drawing board with that one. Now, some uh, interesting facts about Captain America. He, uh, Even though he's punching uh, Hitler on the cover of number one, which is referenced time and time again, and every comics being political debate comes up, that scene never actually appeared in the issue. He does not punch Hitler in issue. Captain America Comics number one. Really? No, he doesn't actually punch him in the comic itself. Huh, that's funny. <laughs> um, he also originally had the more uh, badge-shaped shield. I assume you might have seen this once or twice. Yes, 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 exactly, yeah. Um, it was quickly replaced because uh, Archie Comics um, had released the patriotic character, The Shield, and they felt that his shield was s- too similar to that, so they ended up changing it to the now more popular, really better round shield that everybody knows and loves. Captain America was the first Marvel comic to appear in an- another medium other than comics. Uh, in 1944, there was a Captain America serial that ran. That live action? Yes, live action back, I believe it was 1944. Huh, has that, any of that popped up? Can you watch that anywhere? Um, You used to be able to, I, I swore there was a, because there was they had released VHSs of the Batman serial, the Superman serial, 
I think the Shazam and some of the lesser known characters. And I think at one point they did release a VHS of the Captain America serials. I don't know if it uh, ever got released on Blu-ray and I don't even know if it's out of print. For any of you younger audiences back in the day, before the movie they'd show newsreel, a cartoon, and they'd show a movie serial. It was essentially like an episodic TV show and you had to come back to the movie theater to, for a couple of weeks in a row to see it. And so the Captain America one came after these DC ones you're referencing, the Batman and Superman? Yeah, I'm not sure about all the dates um, of them, but I mean, since the Superman cartoon had come out the same year Captain America had come out, uh, I, I'm going to have to assume even without looking at the dates that they did come before. Yeah. But there was a whole bunch um, back in the day. Another uh, interesting fact, um, Captain America Comics is the first comic book that Stanley Lieber, otherwise known as Stan Lee, ever wrote. Oh, Wow. He came aboard as a very young man. I think he was like 19 or 20. Might have even been younger. And he wrote later on for Captain America comics. Huh. So historic. It certainly was. Joe Simon, Jack Kirby, they were very, very pro uh, America. They were very, very, as anybody would be, anti what was going on in Europe at the time. And one of the great stories about this that Captain America, believe it or not, had gotten a lot of uh, flack and negative reaction to a lot of, uh, let's just say, uh, people that did not care for uh, Jewish people and that were actually pro-Hitler's regime. They got a lot of death threats, a lot of calls to the office. Um, And there's a famous story about them supposedly calling from the lobby saying that, uh, they're going to show them what a real Nazi will do to their precious Captain America. And supposedly the story, Jack Kirby said, I'll be right down, rolled up his sleeves. And he went down to confront and fight these guys. But by the time he got to the lobby, they were long gone. <laughs> Man, you hear about people like, you know, not knowing that soap opera stars are different people. You know, they're actors portraying like in soap operas. But I mean, this is a, a comic book and someone is... <laughs> Sending death threats and looking to beat up Captain America in the lobby of uh, you know, some downtown New York uh, building. Now, uh, it could be an urban legend, but I, I really hope it's true because I really love picturing Jack Kirby rolling up his sleeves and heading down on fire to take these guys out. Where was Stan Lee at the time? Just <laughs> cowering under a desk? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> In fact, uh, the rumor is like the whole office was like a pin drop was like a gas. They couldn't believe Jack was uh, didn't even think twice about rolling his sleeves up and heading on down. <laughs> Tremendous. Yeah, cause, uh, I believe at one point they actually had some extra security in the in the building as well. I don't know how much of this is all true, but uh, it's a great story, and I really do hope it's true. Yes, tremendous. So Cap was extremely popular, um, but. Once the war ended, um, the comic, the superhero genre in the comic had kind of died down. At one point, Captain America was selling close to a million copies an issue, which is insane to think about, especially with today's comic market. Um, it lasted to 1949 when the, where the series ended. They brought him back briefly for the, a couple of issues in the 50s where he fought communists, but wasn't very successful and didn't last very long. And then, 1964, the Avengers, issue four, Stanley and Jack Kirby brought him back into the Marvel Age of Comics, and uh, he's pretty much been a mainstay of the Avengers and Marvel Comics ever since. 
Uh, that's weird. I, I didn't know that he went away for so long and after he uh, debuted. He, like, what, years and years? Yeah, well, I mean, superhero comics in a whole, other than Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman from the, the 50s pretty much died. It really went to sci-fi, horror, and crime, and romance comics. Um, they kind of briefly brought him back, but to fight communists, it just didn't have the same appeal. And then the Marvel Age of Comics came, and superheroes were a big deal again. And they brought him back. And then uh, he uh, appeared in his own strip in Tales of Suspense, which when they hit issue 100, the title officially became Captain America in 1968. And he's had pretty much, not that series, but he's had an ongoing uh, series ever since. You said Tales of Suspense? Uh, yeah, Tales of Suspense, yep. Isn't that what I just said earlier? That was completely like coincidental. <laughs> I, had, I had no research saying that, that was he was in Tales of Suspense, but that's just <laughs> I pulled out of thin air. Amazing. <laughs> Maybe subconsciously something had placed that idea in your head. I guess. <laughs> now, supposedly. Also, um, in the heyday, um, Cap had his own fan club in the 40s that you could join called the Sentinels of Liberty. It would cost you a dime to become a member of that fan club. Oh, wow. Would you just like tape the dime to the inside of an envelope and send it in? Yeah, I often wonder that. Like, you know, back when I ordered stuff in the mail as a kid, it always say, don't send cash or you get your parents to write a check. I mean, <laughs> what are you, you, you going to do? You're gonna have your parents, you're gonna, I guess you're going to put a dime in the envelope. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Just like the, back in the day, the penny to get, you know, 15 CDs. Yeah, <laughs> for, for a penny. <laughs> right. Supposedly, Joe Simon actually tried to sue Marvel uh, for the copyrights in the late 60s that he was legally entitled to get the copyright when it expired because he had created the character. He ended up settling out of court, did not get the copyright, um, and then he, I guess, sued again in uh, 2003, but they ended up settling where he gets royalties. Uh, he got royalties of, uh, of the merchandise and licensing since that moment. So kind of crazy to think about. And uh, he's been around pretty much ever since. Uh, and uh, we're going to move into the cartoon. That's what we're here to talk about. But we really wouldn't be right if we didn't discuss the long and lustrous history of one Captain America. Yeah, you've been sitting on this for over a year. You've been dying to talk about Captain America. You just, I mean, we're going to go another 20 minutes before we get into talking about the uh, episode we're going to watch. Yeah, I could probably go for like a whole episode <laughs> without even getting to the cartoon talking about <laughs> my love for Captain America. Now, at this point, he had ne uh, never had a cartoon. None of the Marvel characters had had a cartoon. thing is, I always thought like I was like a real knowledgeable on Captain America. And then I kind of discovered social media and whatnot. And I found a couple of guys that, man, they, they really dive deep <laughs> into Steve Rogers and his history stuff that uh, I didn't, I'd either forgotten about or barely even knew about. So you got to study up. So we're going to 1966 for the Captain America cartoon, which was part of the Marvel superheroes cartoon. This was kind of different because traditionally cartoons were on Saturday morning, but this every week they did five episodes and they didn't feature all Captain America. It was weird. Like Monday would be Captain America. And then you tune in on Tuesday, you'd get an Iron Man cartoon then you'd get a Thor cartoon. Then you'd get a Hulk cartoon. And then a Prince Namor cartoon. I don't know if I have the exact right oh, order. but I have it here, Matt. Oh, you it's do? Okay. Captain America Monday, Hulk Tuesday, <laughs> Iron Man Wednesday, Thor Thursday, 
And of course, you know, Thor Thursday alliteration <laughs> and Namor on Friday. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it was definitely an interesting idea. And this read on ABC. What these are mostly known for is actually the theme songs. The, the theme songs of these are quite amazing. If you've never heard them, if nothing else, you got to go back and listen to them all. Oh, I'm sure we'll hear that. Uh, we'll hear it in moments. Now, for a long time, there was a rumor in a, um, a false one that, uh, an urban, that Stan Lee had written all of the theme songs to, the, to these cartoons. But it was actually written by Jack Urban, who actually also wrote the soon-to-be, the f- most famous, the Spider-Man theme song from the 60s. Oh, wow. It was Marvel Studios and Grand Trey Lawrence Animation that produced these. We're going back to October 31st, 1966, The Bitter Taste of Defeat. Happy Halloween. Now, even though these were Captain America, these almost all of them, and I believe some of the Iron Man cartoons, kind of broke down into basically Avengers cartoons. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the Avengers appear a lot on these uh, shows as well. I, I looked long and hard. I couldn't find accredited director or writer for this episode, no matter what site I went to. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Maybe because these are almost completely just taken right from the comics that they don't credit the writer because it's pretty much the comic writers that wrote these cartoons. Yeah, it's, it seems like they're lifted directly from like uh, yeah, the comic books. I thought I'd at least be able to find a director, you know, because I figured they had to have a director, but I, I looked long and hard and I, I couldn't find uh, any kind of a director for these. Yeah, and uh, the Marvel superheroes, which is the you know, the umbrella show that all these uh, different cartoons were in, it is on many uh, worst lists. <laughs> and I know that we've uh, we've dedicated ourselves to every time I come on, we're going to look at one of the worst cartoons. So this definitely falls in like like we the first one we did was Fred and Barney meet the thing <laughs> where we discovered that Fred and Barney definitely did not meet the thing. Uh <laughs> and it, coincidentally the the Christmas episode we did of Agents of Smash, Agents of Smash is also on a number of worst lists. <laughs> so we are continuing the tradition. Um I'm really gearing up to watch this uh this episode of uh, Captain America part of the Marvel superheroes. Now, this is, um, this story, The Bitter Taste of Feet, is actually uh, loosely based, well, probably a little bit more than loosely based on the <laughs> Avengers issue 21, which was written by Stan Lee, uh, penciled by Don Heck, and inked by Wally Wood. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't say loose, because if you haven't seen these, these are like, it's almost like they took pictures of the comic books and just animated like arms, legs, and, uh, and lips occasionally. <laughs> now... Steve Rogers, who we already had uh, credited of Jack Kirby and Joe Simon creating him. Uh, he's voiced by a Sandy Becker, who was a radio announcer and a host of uh, TV as well. His biggest claim to fame was he hosted the Sandy Becker show. Oh, that's <laughs> coincidental. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hawkeye, who appears in the show, uh, Stan Lee and Don Heck were the creators. Uh, Chris Wiggins had voiced him. He had done a uh, ton of uh, voice acting over the course of his life. He actually voiced Mysterio on the Spider-Man cartoon that was like a year after this. Uh, he had done also voices on uh, the Star Wars Ewoks and Droids cartoons from the early 80s. Uh, sadly, most people that were involved in this have, uh, are no longer with us. I would, uh, yeah, I'd imagine so. <laughs> Quicksilver. 
Created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. He's voiced by Len Carlson. And uh, he also worked on uh, the Spider-Man cartoon of 67. He voiced the Green Goblin. He also did voices well into the 90s, possibly in the early 2000s. He had done voices on both X-Men, the animated series, and the Swamp Thing cartoon. So there's there's a big gap between this and those cartoons. Wow. Um, Scarlet Witch, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Avita Linder had voiced her, who uh, I looked long and hard. I'm sure she did other voice acting, but I couldn't find anything <laughs> on her as well. Now, I don't know if you're aware about that. With that four lineup, that was the first time they had changed the Avengers lineup. Uh, it was issue 16 where the original group disbanded and Cap, Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch took over, which was kind of uh, set the template for the Avengers going on where they would always have the ever-changing lineup, which the Justice League adopted later on, but they, they were the first superhero group to really do that. So just four of them? Yep, just the four of them. Cap became the leader, and then the three of them uh, all worked underneath them. All of them also were former villains that were reforming. Even Hawkeye? Even Hawkeye started off as a villain, yep. Well, he kind of started off as a villain in the um, in the uh, MCU as well, right? Yeah, he first showed up, I believe, in a ta- Tales of Suspense, and him and Iron Man got into it, but then... Uh, he became a, a good guy. Gotcha. Now, the actual the actual villains on this, the Enchantress, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, and she's also voiced by uh, Vita Linder. And Power Man, not Luke Cage, uh. but, but the villain Power Man, who was created by Stan Lee and Don Heck, and he is voiced by Paul Kligman. Now, an interesting fact which I think this is the only time this has ever happened in comic books. Power Man fought Luke Cage Power Man in an issue of Luke Cage Hero for Hire, where the winner of the fight got the right to call themselves Power Man. (laughs) Pure pro wrestling right there. (laughs) (laughs) And to my knowledge, that is the only time in comic history that's ever happened. That is uh, absolutely tremendous. If you're not familiar with this Power Man, and when you watch the cartoon... Like a lot of guys from that era, one of the most generic supervillain costumes you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, it's like you talked about earlier, super American. They said, nah, you can't use that. But they said, Power Man. <laughs> we got it. Eureka. Power Man. It's hard to believe superheroes have been around for like 30 years at that point that no one came up with the idea. Power Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a reason. <laughs> Stinks. So on that note, Michael and I are going to watch... Captain America, The Bitter Taste of Defeat. You watch it with us and join us. We'll be back in one minute. Hi, I'm Stan Lee, editor of the Marvel Comics Group of superhero comic magazines. Comic books have been a big business for the past 25 years, and they're bigger than ever today. With this in mind, you'll be interested to know that the Marvel Comics Group is the acknowledged leader in monthly sales of all comic magazines published today. As a matter of fact, our sales have tripled in the past three years, which is quite a publishing phenomenon. Our superheroes are the kind of people that you or I would be if we had a superpower, which sets them apart from all other superheroes published today and seems to be the reason that they're actually far more popular than any others. Now then, it would seem that the big problem is this. 
can the enthusiasm for these comic magazines be successfully transferred to another media such as television we most definitely feel that it can and for this reason for the first time that we know of we're using the exact same stories and artwork that have made our comic magazines so incredibly successful using the exact same stories and art for a television show the Incredible Hulk meets Captain America. Each a foot tall with flyaway action pack. Assembly required. Just look up the flyaway pack, and here comes Captain A. Avalanche! This is a job for the Hulk. The Incredible Hulk with a waist that's clean. Lots of muscle and skin that's green. You can make them fly! Captain America and the Incredible Hulk, both with flyaway action pack, each sold separately by Mego. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. When Captain America throws his mighty shield, all those who chose to oppose his shield must yield. If he's led to a fight and a duel is due, then the red and the white and the blue will come through when Captain America throws his mighty shield. And we are back. And I hope you just also watched Captain America, The Bitter Taste of Defeat. Uh, that, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard it before, Michael, or anybody out there, but that that theme song, top notch. We just heard it. When Captain America throws his Marty shield. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> yes, like you said, uh, the, the most memorable part of the show, for sure. It was, um, all those theme songs are great. And the opening with, with the different pow, zam, whap. <laughs> I, got, I, was, I was thinking, like, now, did they follow suit with Batman? Because this is, you know, this is uh, October 1966. Batman debuted in 66 as well, as we all know. And I, I looked it up. Batman debuted in January of 1966. And I was like, all right, was that enough time animation-wise? And then, and then I watched some of the animation. I was like, yeah, this is probably like slapped <laughs> together over Columbus Day weekend. <laughs> they've been watching, they watched the entire run of Batman and said, okay, we can steal that. Yeah, I I, um, I tend to think uh, the best animation is actually in the opening credits. Like it's the only time <laughs> where they even bothered to actually do any real animation. That's true. Yes, guys moving to getting knocked this way and that. Yeah, from the, uh, the mighty shield. Throws his mighty shield. Yes. So they, they open at Avengers Mansion, but they only call it the Avengers Headquarters. They don't actually refer to it as Avengers Mansion. Yeah, I was like a little perplexed at first, but they kind of, uh, you know, minute in talk about what it is and why they're there. Uh, and they reference Tony Stark, but he never actually shows up on the episode. Yeah, he says it's a Tony Stark's penthouse, and they don't charge yeah. they don't charge them any rent. The the narrator says how there's been tension in the air, which. If you read those comics from that era, that was actually the norm. The The group always was bickering. Hawkeye didn't respect Cap. He thought he was a fossil, and uh, he thought he should be the leader of the group. So that's pretty much taken right from the pages, which I always thought was kind of weird because you got to think he became Captain America probably when he was at the oldest, like maybe 23. So he's probably like in his late 40s at this point. He's calling him grandpa and old man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think there's a little bit more is at play here. I don't think it's uh, – we'll find out. So Cap tells Hawkeye not to touch that machine, and he kill, he says, uh, simmer down glamour pants. 
<laughs> we're gonna get into this the the uh yeah the besides the theme song the dialogue is the best part of this yeah hawkeye has some zingers and so much great dialogue really uh throwing a quips caps way left and right yeah amazing he says he's gonna that uh he was gonna change a fuse and Cap no, 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 Matt. Matt, he's changing a crummy fuse. <laughs> I've got crummy. <laughs> Which uh, Cap says that only Stark's allowed to touch these machines. In a kind of a strange line where Hawkeye says, just because he gives us the townhouse rent free doesn't make you the official Snoop grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> so they start bickering back and forth where uh, Hawkeye calls him overrated has been. And he's been itching to change the part in Cap's hair. Yeah, yeah, he just he pulls a he pulls his bow back and he's gonna he's like five he's five feet from Captain America and gonna hit him with an arrow right between the eyes. Thankfully, Quicksilver uh stops in and uh and, and prevents this from happening. Now, this isn't exclusive to the cartoon, but Quicksilver, the hair is just <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's the white hair and the two almost like lightning bolts coming off the side of his sides of his temples. And this hairdo has been so popular in Marvel. Like Wolverine has it, the Beast got it, Space Phantom, Star Fox, uh, the Owl. Like, who have you ever seen anyone with this haircut in real life? <laughs> no, except for <laughs> Hugh Jackman in the first uh, X Men movie, which was you know quite startling <laughs> yeah, i was just like what is going on? i don't understand how they ever settled on that hairdo we've switched over to the enchantress who reveals that even though they bicker normal but her spell of evil is causing them to bicker even more than ever yeah and she's there with power man yeah. and the two of them are posed like a, a junior prom photo. <laughs> he, she is like enveloped in his arms as they're are standing here speaking. Like the animation, we haven't mentioned it yet, but the animation is just, yeah, it's, they stand still, the mouths move. I do appreciate they have them blink every five seconds or so, but uh, it's a lot of pans and pushes with the lens to create movement that isn't really there. Yeah, sometimes maybe the arm will move. Yes. But, yeah, not a lot. By the way, Power Man, uh, note to comic creators, with very few rare exceptions, brown doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really work for superheroes and supervillain costumes. <laughs> Wolverine made it work for a little bit. Yeah, Wolverine is about the only guy that's ever pulled it off. <laughs> Power Man, he, he, the whole episode is a theme of Power Man. Doesn't, he doesn't want to mess around with this phony baloney magic. He just wants to destroy them. And she has to keep telling him that the plan is, uh, you know, we're going to get there slowly. It's a slow burn. Yes. Then we switch to the Avengers are facing this giant monster in downtown New York. Looks kind of like a giant minotaur almost. Um, it's like a gorilla bull rhino. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good way to describe it. Yeah, it's a, it's a furry brown with a rhino horn on the front. And it's the size of a building. It's 30 feet tall. 30 feet tall. Uh, Hawkeye uses an explosive arrow that goes right through it. Scarlet Witch uses her hex to bring a building down on top of him, which has no effect. Yeah, yeah. By the way, a hex is like a curse or a spell, but all it does is just take the corner off a building and dump it on the guy. Like, <laughs> I guess the curse is for everyone's the building. <laughs> yeah, so she's she's cursing that building. <laughs> 
Cap has a theory. He throws his shield at it, and it goes right through it and disappears. Hawkeye does the arrow, goes through him. The, it doesn't affect when they drop the building on him. But I guess uh, Captain America has to throw the shield just to be sure. Maybe it's a, it's like a, it's built on belief. You know, if they don't believe it's real, that that'll make it disappear. I, I suppose, yeah, because as we'll see, he it's not real. And then uh, Hawkeye says now that uh, Winghead is going to claim he did it with his frying pan. <laughs> the police come and they realize that uh, only the Avengers could see this monster. Nobody else could see it. Nobody could figure out why the Avengers were just ripping up downtown New York. And then when they go back to the mansion, Quicksilver gets a message that someone's going to sabotage the subway. Yes, yes. Quicksilver says, there's a saboteur. <laughs> there's a, like a $3 word for the six-year-olds watching this. <laughs> which uh, he has to run ahead and do, which they call him, I don't know if you caught this, the fastest human alive. Yes, I did hear that. <laughs> Flash is already the fastest man alive. So he gets the, mon- the moniker of the fastest human alive. He's the human, yes. That's better. This was this came close to almost animation where they did the running effect of Quicksilver. Yeah, they they, they did the old like <laughs> pew, yeah, took off. And, yeah, and they had like the line, so it almost kind of was animated. Like he did the he did like the yeah his his arm was like back like the away we go and then <laughs> <laughs> off he went. And I'll say when he's running through the the the, the subway, uh, it kind of for this cartoon it it kind of looked good. Yes, yeah, it wasn't bad. He gets there and he sees that uh, the, the track has been pulled up. But before he can notice, uh, Power Man punches him in the head, knocks him out. And the sound effect was a clop. Yes. And it wasn't like he, he didn't really punch him in the head. He like, kind of like bopped him in the head with like the top of his fist and the top of his head. <laughs> it's tremendous. And, uh, yeah, the clop was just my yes. favorite sound effect. Right. They get there and Quicksilver is going to get run over by the train. Uh, somehow they know that the train is empty, so it's okay for Hawkeye to use his blow-up arrow, which destroys the uh, the train. Yeah, let me break this down for one second before you move on there, Matt. Now, Quicksilver, the fastest human alive, we just, we've established that. They say he ran miles of subway <laughs> tunnel to get to the spot, right? Certainly did. <laughs> and the rest of the Avengers show up in the same spot eight seconds later. <laughs> yep. How did they get there? <laughs> Not only, I don't know how they tracked down the exact spot, let alone right. got there so fast. Right. And then, you, like you said, uh, you know, they, they want to really want to make sure that when they blow this train up, people know that it's, there's not people on it. So they make sure to say it's an empty train, which Captain America could just tell from seeing like two dark windows, you know, from 200 yards away. The cops, of course, come and they don't see any damage to the uh, the track, so... It's starting to look like uh, they're being set up. Uh, Entrantress and Power Man are kind of giggling from the shadows. Where <laughs> Power Man is, uh, he's still upset. He, he hasn't seen a lot of action, and he wants to remind Entrantress why she brought him onto this wingding. <laughs> yeah, they're still hanging out there watching what's going on, right? Wouldn't you like after causing this whole thing, just kind of skedaddle? Uh, we find out the Avengers are, are essentially bankrupt because uh, they got a big bill for all the damage they've done to the city. 
Yes, this is a, the greatest line ever. We we pan across the living room and the Avengers are kind of all hanging their heads. Yeah, the narrator's like, the Avengers emergency fund was emptied by the bill for train damages. Which is <laughs> tremendous. Because like, everyone always talked about in the MCU how, you know, in the first Avengers movie, they destroy the city. And, you know, you never hear about money and all this stuff. And actually, I think it was Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they actually talk about, you know, payment and stuff like that, how they get paid and... So, yeah, it's kind of weird how they just kind of reference their bank account. So somehow, um, with all that's going on, they collectively deduce the Enchantress is behind all of this. <laughs> right. They're all kind of hanging out in the, the living room. Cap has his mask off. Scarlet isn't wearing her headdress or whatever the hell it is. And Hawkeye's sitting there in the Lazy Boy with this pointy purple mask on still. <laughs> he says that... uh because Winghead's in charge, she probably knew the Avengers are easy pickings now. <laughs> Which at this point, Cap's kind of, uh, he's kind of had enough of Hawkeye's little digs. He even calls him a loudmouth. Scarlet Witch says uh, not to fight boys. And uh, Hawkeye says, Cap knows better than to fight me. And Captain America says, why you? <laughs> Quicksilver wants to stop him, but... Uh, Cap shoves him aside, and him and Hawkeye get into a little brawl. But uh, it finally gets broken up because Scarlet Witch reads that they got a court order that they have to disband because of all the damage they've done. Yeah, the doorbell rings during the middle of this little uh, scuffle there. (laughs) And she gets special delivery. It's a court order to disband. Cap says that they have to clear their name, but uh, Hawkeye, he he wants nothing to do with this. the Vision and Scarlet Witch even are like, uh, they're like, this enough's enough, you know, like, uh, we don't want nothing to do with this. This has just gone too far. Yeah, Hawkeye was looking for a reason to get out, so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he convinces them as well. Power Man says he wants to fight now, but Enchantress says she has to destroy Cap's spirit before they can, Power Man can kick his ass. So as they're leaving, Scarlet Witch sheds a single tear. <laughs> Which is probably the most expensive effect in this entire episode. <laughs> now, the the next scene I, I thought was really weird, where he gets a phone call from the Enchantress. She's spinning her crystal and doing this chant into the phone, where he's trying to track the phone call instead. And she says how the moon and the stars and lights are going to... It was just odd. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, Captain America has the phone, holding the phone up to this contraption. He's like, keep talking, lady. <laughs> and when he hangs up, he, he has kind of tracked down her general location, but then the lights of the of all the technology there and the moon and the star, they're really starting to affect Cap. Yeah, the animated bug eyes <laughs> on Captain America are really something else. Oh, because she said that, uh, that it all ended with Cap was going to crawl to her to surrender on his knees. Yes. And that especially sticks in Cap's craw. He repeats multiple times, that's not going to happen. He's not surrendering on his knees. No, no. She's going to use a raven to lure in Hawkeye, which works, because Hawkeye says uh, for some, something's just telling him he's going to follow that bird. He's like, what gives with that kooky crow? <laughs> Again, the dialogue just uh, carrying us through here. He falls into the mansion, which... One of Cap's gloves is on the steps, and when he picks it up, it turns into a frog. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure of that detail, what that 
is or why it needed to happen. They've already lured him to the mansion. What are they accomplishing <laughs> by that? Yes. Like, if it stayed Cap's glove, then maybe he'd be like, oh, Cap America's in here. I have to go in. But it turns to a frog before he goes to the door. So, why? I couldn't have just gotten an, a red glove. They had to waste a spell of turning a frog into a glove. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, it must be Enchantress. <laughs> When they, he get Power Man's right there waiting for him, gets him in a big bear hug and takes out Hawkeye. Yeah, we go, we go to commercial with uh, Hawkeye kind of uh, wavering, you know, getting shook back and forth. Uh, he wakes up and, of course, he's tied up. Uh, Power Man wants to get the rest of them. Cap's like running on the street and like the neon signs and everything is the, 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 the traffic lights, everything is causing it's like a, a almost epilepsy where everything is causing a. Almost a seizure out of Cap. Yeah, it's like an LSD trip. Power Man shows up. Uh, they kind of throw a few punches. And then all of a sudden, Cap's on top of the Brooklyn Bridge. Yes, just like snap. I thought it was like another like illusion. But we find out it's not. Uh, he's just suddenly, bing, bang, boom, he's on top of the bridge. <laughs> and then... He falls off into the water, much to uh, everyone's chagrin. And even Power Man acts like he would have saved him. Really kind of weird. And then we go to the next scene, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are reading the paper about uh, Captain America falling off the bridge. Yeah, it says Captain America's body sought in river. Yeah. Isn't that like a little morbid for a kid's cartoon? <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. They, they go back to the mansion where uh, they see the computer room's been trashed. Um, but they could still follow the tracer. And in the trash computer room, Scarlet Witch finds a piece of seaweed, which I thought was, it's kind of pays off later, but it was kind of weird. Yeah. Like where, where is this seaweed? I, I don't, but was Enchantress ever there? Right. <laughs> I don't... Cause, cause it was, cause I thought it was all like, Captain America trashed it because he's, you know, flailing his arms around because he's all screwed up from Enchantress's spell. But why, why this? I don't think Enchantress is ever. I thought the the place is trashed because because Captain America was like uh, tripping out. Uh, maybe uh, Cap climbed out of the river and went there to trash it after, and the seaweed is from when he fell in the water. Maybe. Oh, because later he says that. He figured out the coordinates before, right? I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. And later, Hawkeye's tied up by a bunch of plants. So I thought maybe that was it. But. Yeah. So I, I I was baffled by that. So then uh, Enchantress wants everyone to know that she broke up the Avengers. And then <laughs> there's a knock at the door where <laughs> a press agent shows up to make Power Man famous. Right, because, uh, yeah, he was in the paper as the guy, he's a costumed bystander, like that, that attempted to save, like the, the, he shows the paper, the guy shows the paper, it's the morning clarion, which I don't know what that's referenced to, but it says, <laughs> attempt to save Captain America from death fall. And it's a big picture of Power Man. So yeah, this guy's looking to become his agent. Make a big superhero. Power Man calls him Fatso. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, no thanks, Fatso. And this guy says how he arranged the downfall of the Avengers because superheroes needed new blood. And then Power Man starts shooting his mouth off about how they did it. They are the ones that took him down. 
which Enchantress is getting very upset about that. He needs to shut his mouth and, and stop spilling the beans. Yeah, he's spilling all the deets there. Power Man just letting it all out. Which <laughs> Enchantress is from <laughs> Asgard. I don't even know what the hell she cares. <laughs> but it's Cap in disguise, and he had our tape recorder. He tricked him. Power Man just confessed, and Cap's got it all on tape. Yeah, so apparently Captain America is wearing a full, like, I guess, you know, rubber face mask over his Captain America mask. I'm sure it looked pretty realistic to these guys. <laughs> they have a fight where he can kind of hear, you see Hawkeye is being, like, smothered by vines and plants, and Cap can hear him, but he can't quite find him. Uh, they have a fight that knocks them, uh, you know, right through the, the wall. At one point, Power Man calls him a shield-carrying square. <laughs> Perfect. He takes out Cap and says that uh, the only reason he could beat Cap because he, he has no powers. But if he had powers, uh, he don't know if he'd win the fight. All the Avengers show up, and maybe I am forgot already, but when Power Man comes back and Trench is, is out cold, did, did Cap do that to her? I, I don't remember. Yeah, all of a sudden she's like laying on the ground. Uh, Potiphar is still standing up, by the way. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm getting at there, but yeah. um, <laughs> but she's yeah, she's just laid out suddenly. Uh, we I guess maybe we missed it, or maybe they missed it. <laughs> when the Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are there, and they tell Power Man how the Avengers are divided no longer, she uses a hex to drop a curtain on top of a. <laughs> Power Man. The curse of a falling curtain. It's curtains for you, Power Man. Curtains. <laughs> which uh, Quicksilver says he's going to spit him like a top, which he does. There is a lot of explaining what people are going to do on this. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you have to. Predates the super friends of the, I'm always going to explain what I do before, <laughs> before I do it. <laughs> well, animation is so terrible that you have to let them know what you're going to be doing because, you know, when it happens, it doesn't quite look that way. <laughs> um, so they actually end up retreating because it looks like uh, the Avengers are going to beat them. And they already have them on tape confessing, so Enchantress isn't, isn't going to go to jail. Yeah, so they kind of just, like, disappear. Cap explains that it's only because he's in top shape that he was able to survive that fall from the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> Right. I got to say, it's been, over the years, this is a little off topic, it's been painfully obvious that most of the people that wrote Cap don't know the, they don't know a dang thing really about physical training and, you know, and getting into peak shape. I mean, I remember at one point where Cap lost the super soldier serum, he said, I can only curl 500 pounds now that I don't have the serum in me. <laughs> Has anybody ever curled 500 pounds? <laughs> And also, you know, if you know if you're a bodybuilder and you fall off a the bridge, bridge. <laughs> you, you know, you'd be just fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a big, great celebratory moment where the Avengers are back together again. They all put the hands in, like, yay team. Even Hawkeye is uh, on board, apologizes for some of his uh, earlier comments. Yeah, slowly the hands kind of animate on top of one another. And uh, yeah, they're all... Together again as Captain America hits his monologue. That's how we ended Captain America, the bitter taste of defeat. Now, (laughs) 
Before we get into ranking, I'm not going to lie, uh, I did enjoy a lot of this, but to call this animation is really a stretch. Yeah, it's kind of like the old, um, was it Clutch Cargo? The old, uh, like they did on Conan O'Brien too, where it's just the <laughs> face and only the mouth moves. <laughs> That's kind of what we dealt with here. And like you said, like, yeah, cer- certain like when they needed an action, like a punch, like an arm would suddenly move and stuff like that. But yeah, it was... A lot, a lot of the animation was done literally. They would push and pull out of, and you know, and pan across these uh, animated cells to make it look like something's actually happening that really wasn't. I mean, this is really like the minimal effort put into something. <laughs> this is the definition of of cost effective, I guess, would be the, the nicest way I could say it. And I was surprised that they actually animated blinking, which is a lot more than I thought they'd do. Barely any animation. Uh, they didn't even come up with their own story. They pretty much just, you know, adapted a comic book. And and, <laughs> and not only do I mean adapt, I mean, they literally like almost took a camera and took pictures of the pages and <laughs> just made some tweaks. Yeah, it, they didn't go as far as there were no word bubbles, but, you know, it was close enough. And I mean, it's not like... <laughs> There were other, Hanna-Barbera was doing cartoons, Warner Brothers. I mean, there were a lot of actually like, you know, maybe not by today's standards, but some well done animation at that point. Yeah, they should have sold off like a DC did uh, like Hanna-Barbera and Filmation, right? But um, it, I guess they wanted to keep it in-house, which they did. And then they ended up going elsewhere anyway. And that's what ended up happening where you, you get Spider-Man and Sony and the Hulk of the universal and all this stuff. So they ended up going that way just later on. I mean, it's no surprise that uh, grand Trey uh, Lawrence animation didn't, didn't last. I think they were uh, out of business by, I think 1969 or 68. And thankfully then after that, Hanna-Barbera did the fantastic four cartoon, which was vastly superior to this. But then there was a big gap where Marvel didn't really do any real cartoons. Oh, wait, they did the 70s Fantastic Four cartoon and The Thing versus The Thing meets Fred and Barney. (laughs) All the classics. (laughs) So, (laughs) on that note, we are going to go over to our spectrometer. Michael, you're familiar with the spectrometer, but anybody else who's listening who's not... We rank what we just saw, zero spectros being absolute garbage, four spectros being it just doesn't get any better. How are you going to rank Captain America, the bitter taste of defeat? Well, we talk about the negatives, which is the bare bones animation. The positives, let's let's go with the positives. Let's, let's, All right. <laughs> let's go positive with this. We got the theme song, the Mighty Shield, which is top notch. And it's, you know, straight from the 60s. Excellent Love it. stuff. And the dialogue, which, I don't know, this that could have been easily lifted from the comic book as well. I'm not sure if it's, I mean, we probably look at the comic book and find that they just literally stole that as well. But that's, I mean, it's in there. It's it's good. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, Hawkeye's quips, especially at the beginning of the episode. Um, so that saves it from being like a zero or a negative so I would say I would give it probably overall for Captain America a uh, straight one out of four. <laughs> it's hard because I, I really, really want to love this. I want to I want to say it's glowing praise. It's Captain America. It's the it's the Avengers. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna have to go one. <laughs> like 
I love the, the theme song. I love some of the the dialogue. I, I, I was entertained, not all for the right reasons, but I never thought I'd say this, but here's an example of actually too close to the source material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't think you'd, uh, you didn't think you'd go there as a negative, but yeah, with this, that's kind of the case. But like, man, they, no, no, just no creativity whatsoever was put into this. Barely any effort. I know it was a different time period as the 60s, but Hanna-Barbera, two years after, did the Fantastic Four cartoon. And say what you want, but it is like, it is like light years better when it came to across the board everything. I, I'm going to have to go one. So, yeah, the this was um, five nights a week, like you said. So, I guess they kind of had felt they had to like rush it, I guess. As, as it turns out, I'm looking at this like it was only on for three months. Yeah, they had 65 episodes in like a three month period. Like, you know, because you think 65 episodes, that, that'll take you through a year. But like it was, like you said, it was five nights a week. So this only ran for three months in total. That's amazing. I guess I got to give them, cut them slack that they had to crank out a lot of animation. And maybe that's why it's the way it is. But to be frank, I'd rather just see it on Saturday mornings once a week and have them put some damn effort into it. They gave it the old college try. It turned out it was like preschool. What did you think out there? Did you like it better than uh, Michael and myself? Uh, you couldn't probably like it any less than we did. Uh, but that's okay if you did. Uh, we respect all opinions here on uh, Matt Spectre in the Multiverse. But let me know. Go to my social media and tell me what you think. If you liked it better than us, we want to hear from you. Michael, as always... If a child comes across in 2022, Captain America, the bitter taste of defeat, what's their opinion going to be? I think they think their TV was broken. Because, <laughs> the, you know, the, the, these little kid hitting the side of the TV. Hey, the, the, the guy's not moving. The guy's not moving. What's happening here? Yeah, the, no, this a kid wouldn't last two minutes watching this. Like, just watching mouths move. A younger kid would be bored and an older kid would be so confused and what the heck is going on <laughs> on this cartoon? Yep. But there you have it. Tell us what you think. We always want to hear from you. I love spirited debate. That's half the reason I have guests on every week. You can go to my Twitter at Matt Spectro. Follow me while you're there. Go to my Facebook, Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Also follow me while you're there and give me your opinion on Captain America, the bitter taste of defeat. And I just want it clear for the record, this is not a reflection how I feel on Captain America himself. <laughs> I, I still love Cap. It's not his fault. His first cartoon adding is so dismal. <laughs> you needed to put that in there, huh? <laughs> Michael, I want to thank you for coming back and joining us once again. I'm very happy to. I, I always, I'm always happy to look at uh, terrible cartoons with you, and we'll do another one really soon, I hope. On that note, Michael and I want to do the 70s Fantastic Four cartoon. So if you know... Uh, site where we can track that down because it's very hard to find please go to either one of our social media and let us know because we really want to review that cartoon but it is very difficult to track that cartoon down michael as always if i have a guest this is their chance i don't know if you have anything to plug but if you do it's free plug time the floor is yours plug away well um i do 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 i do uh, podcast editing. So if anyone out there has a podcast or is thinking about doing a podcast, I can help you get your podcast out there. You can go to crackpotpods.com for information and to send me an email and let me know uh, 
what you're up to and what you need me to do. I'm happy to help you get your podcast out there in the world, just like I helped do with uh, Matt Spector through the multiverse. And uh, hopefully for a lot longer and a lot more to come. Very efficient, very quick, very easy to deal with. Good editing. I can't say enough about Crackpot Podcast. Thank you. But on that note, I want to thank you all for joining us. Michael, I hope you'll come back and do another episode, like I said. I want to thank everyone for joining every week. And if you could also subscribe to my podcast, I'd really appreciate that as well. Give me a five-star review. Until then, we'll see you again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Excelsior!